Welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Certified Financial Planner Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth LLC. In this podcast, we help individuals and couples plan for a peaceful and enjoyable retirement. Join us on this journey where we explore the importance of simplifying the retirement planning process as Stephen, with his years of experience and expertise in retirement income planning, along with guest experts, will help you achieve first wisdom, then wealth. And don't forget to check out the Simplify Your Retirement online course and other great resources at SimplifyYourRetirement.com. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth. Today I'm excited. This is part three of a three-part series. Stephen, what are we talking about today? I'm looking forward to it, Eric. This is the third bucket in our three-bucket retirement income portfolio approach. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the growth bucket. Stephen, can you just give us a quick overview of those first two buckets for people that are just joining us? Absolutely. I'm glad to do that. And I think it's very important for us to do that, especially if someone is joining the podcast for the very first time today, going into the growth bucket. Uh, I mentioned in a previous podcast that these three buckets work because they work together. Mm -hmm. And really, you can't just take one bucket and uh, focus on that one and focus on the rules for that bucket and neglect the other two. And uh, the reason why this is such a great planning technique is when someone follows Uh, the rules and someone uses all three the way they're supposed to be used. And uh, that's the way it works the best. So going back to the liquid bucket. And one thing I want to mention, even before I get into just reviewing the other two, before we get in the growth bucket is again, I I like to look at this as chronological and we can look at this as, you know, three buckets up and down. And so you start with the liquid bucket, you you take all of your investable assets and you, you start subtracting it based on the bucket. So first we figure out how much money needs to go in the liquid bucket. Whatever money does not go in there, we have available for the income bucket. Whatever does not go in the income bucket ends up going into the growth bucket. Mm -hmm. And so the buckets are chronological, but also I'm going to say that they're also circular, which just means that once you've got the money in the growth bucket, the growth bucket then can empty out and refill the liquid bucket as needed, which it will be needed to be refilled over time mm-hmm. and the income bucket and in the liquid bucket, simply speaking, is just uh, figuring out what your emergency fund is going to be in any known or planned purchases or expenses in the next three to five years. If you know that number, that's the amount of money that goes in the liquid bucket. You want to fully fund it. Uh, you don't want to overfund it because it's not earning hardly anything, but it is there. It's available. And that bucket, of course, is liquid. Then you go from there to the income bucket, which we talked about in the previous podcast. It's such an important discussion. And what we want to do in the income bucket is to solve for the gap, how much income you need and subtract your guaranteed sources of income like social security and pensions and find out what that gap is and then figure out what's the least amount of assets it would take to guarantee the income that I need. And the sooner somebody can do that, the better, because then we figure out how much money of your current assets will it take to generate the income, even if the income need is in the future, five or 10 years into the future. No more than 10 years out, but at least, you know, 10 years or less is a great time to start looking at how much my current assets would it take to guarantee the income that I need in retirement. Massive peace of mind to know that money is preserved, know that it's going to be there when I walk Mm -hmm. out the door of retirement, not only when I walk out the door, but also throughout the rest of my life. And it's based, of course, on that discussion of what does retirement look like to you and how much is that going to cost and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. 
And that leads us into the growth bucket. So we, I, we had all of our investable assets. We already figured out the liquid bucket. We already figured out the income bucket. Now we've got this money in the growth bucket. And so what are the rules? I call them rules for each one of these buckets, but it really is the guidelines to help us determine how the money should be invested, uh, what product should we, be, should we be using for each one of the buckets. And so in, in the liquid bucket, the primary product is a bank product. In the income bucket, we're primarily looking at insurance products like annuities. In the growth bucket is where we're looking at brokerage products, products that go up and down in value, but have the greatest potential for return over time. And, and I mentioned this before, and since we're talking about the growth bucket, I also want to let everybody know today that everyone, depending on the phase of investing you're in, everyone at all points in time in their investment life should always have money in the liquid bucket. They should always have money in the growth bucket. It's with, when you get within 10 years that we introduce putting money into the income bucket. So this growth bucket discussion we're going to have today really pertains to not only just retirement income planning, but to really, you know, how your money should be invested in the stock market anyway, regardless of what phase of investing you're in. So when we look at the growth bucket, there are a few things that we already know that are very important. Mm -hmm. One of them is we know that the money or the assets that we have allocated to the growth bucket, none of those are needed to produce an income stream now or in the future. Yes. We know that because we've already done the income bucket and we've already filled the income bucket. So we know that part of the decision-making process of how we're going to invest the money in the growth bucket is when we don't need income producing assets in the growth bucket. Mm -hmm. And that's important because what happens if the growth bucket gets hit by, I don't know, a Corona truck, right? If right, exactly. A Corona truck, that yep. doesn't affect your income yep, because your income. that's in the income bucket, right? So, I mean, exactly. again, it goes back to that peace of mind thing that I think is fantastic. Yeah, the whole thing, when you do it all together, you know, massive peace of mind. That really is the goal of the three-bucket approach. And so, exactly, if coronavirus hits and there's a pandemic or there's elections and the stock market becomes volatile, it has no impact on your ability to retire, your income stream now or in the nice. future. It will impact the growth bucket, but that's the bucket that it should impact. And that's the bucket that we can afford to have an impact. So one of the things we already know about the growth bucket is we don't need income from it now or in the future. Mm -hmm. The second thing that we know about the growth bucket is we don't need the money in the growth bucket for an emergency fund or we also don't need the money in that growth bucket for anything that we already know or plan to, to purchase or spend in the next five years. Because if that was the case, mm -hmm. we already had that money sitting in the liquid bucket protected from any sort of downside market risk. So now, here we go. We're at the growth bucket. We've already taken the money in the liquid bucket, set it aside. We've already put the income bucket, set it aside. Now we know in the growth bucket, we do not need the assets in the growth bucket for five years or longer. Okay. It doesn't mean that you can't access it because the growth bucket is liquid. It just means we have no plans to access it. If life happens and there's emergencies or what are the case to be, you need to get to it. You certainly can. But from an investment decision-making process, we look at it and say, this, these are funds that we don't need for a minimum of at least five years. And when someone has that sort of time frame, that means that you can really begin to earn, you know, higher rates of return, you can actually take on more risk. Mm -hmm. 
and, and really earn more money. So the purpose of the growth bucket, again, is to make sure that our portfolio or that our plan does not take a hit. And I know we've talked about this in a previous podcast. And hit, hit stands for yeah. healthcare, inflation, and taxes. And so the growth bucket is sitting out here because, you know, when we put together the income plan, that's what we thought we needed to start retirement. And it may have covered all the healthcare expenses, but maybe five to 10 years in retirement, maybe healthier expenses went higher, maybe taxes increased, maybe inflation kicked in. And so the 5,000 a month that we needed to start retirement, now all of a sudden we need 5,500 a month or we need 6,000 a month. The purpose of the growth bucket out here is to make sure it helps keep up with your future income needs. That's one of the big reasons that it's there. So we really have to make sure that in the growth bucket, you, you're invested in such a way that we're beating inflation. Can't emphasize this enough because what happens to people is for what happens to people when they get close to retirement is they tend to get very conservative. And logically, that makes sense. They get conservative, they take all their money and they become conservative with all of it. And so, what we do with the three bucket approach is say, well, no, you don't have to become conservative with all of it, only become conservative with what you need in the next three to five years, only get conservative with the income, let the rest of it grow. And so a lot of people are familiar with like risk profile questionnaires, right? That's how most people make their investment decisions, always based on a ri- the answers to a risk profile questionnaire. And if somebody does that with all of their retirement assets, they're, they're going to be invested probably in something more you know conservative than they ought to be. We're, we're, with our approach, with the three bucket approach, we don't ask for a risk tolerance profile or risk profile questionnaire until we get to the growth bucket because the growth bucket is where we want our clients to answer these questions now with a new understanding. Answer the questions for this bucket, how you want the money invested with the knowledge that the liquid bucket is full and your income needs are taken care of. Mm -hmm. You answer those questions differently than you would if you did not have those other two buckets. Does it make sense? Oh yeah. Okay. So now we're talking to our clients you have liquid, you have income bucket. Now, how would you handle stock market volatility? And then now all of a sudden we could take on more risk than we would. And so for our clients, we're able to, even before they retire, one year before they walk out the door of retirement, most people would say, oh man, you gotta be careful. You gotta get conservative. We would say, no, you've already done that with your liquid bucket. You've already done it with your income bucket. Therefore, this one, you could you could have an allocation uh, that would allow you to really grow these assets, which is what we want to do over long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And, and some people are familiar with the rule of 72. So if we can average 7.2% in someone's growth bucket, that means if they if they didn't touch it, every 10 years, that portion of money would actually double. Mm. Every 10 years. And, and you think about this. Most people, what happens to a lot of people when they get to retirement is they think all of a sudden, oh boy, here we go. I've got this nest egg. I've got to protect this baby. I can't let anything happen to mm-hmm. this thing. And we just kind of like hang on to it uh, and for fear of letting it go anywhere. Whereas in our approach, you've protected what you have to protect, protect the income, grow the rest. Now with the growth bucket, if people are going to live sometimes 20 and 30 years in retirement, your money can actually really multiply and really continue to grow and your net worth could actually increase. Yeah from 60 to 70 and from 70 to 80 and from 80 to 90, if you'll really let the growth bucket grow. And that's ultimately what I'm trying to emphasize about the growth bucket today. And that is 
you really have to to let it grow. You can take on more risk because you have the the element that you have to have in order to be successful with stock market investing. In my mind, there's two rules. There's two ways to be successful with stock market investing. Number one is discipline. And number two is time. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't use the three bucket approach, you don't have time to recover. Whereas if you use our three bucket approach, now all of a sudden we do have time. If the market goes down or if Corona hits or anything like this or stock market volatility happens, if if the stock market were to go down uh, using our three bucket approach, 20% in a given year, I always ask our clients, which bucket does that affect? It would only affect one bucket. Yeah. It will not affect your liquid bucket. It will not affect your income. It will affect your growth bucket. But what do we have in the growth bucket? We have time. And even in the most aggressive portfolios, you look at, you know, almost any five-year rolling period, in any five-year history, it's very rare to see a negative return over five-year periods of times or longer. Mm-hmm. And so one of our biggest rules for the, for the growth bucket is the five-year rule. And that is, as long as you don't need the money for five years or longer, you should take you know diversified risk in the stock market. And that's really what we want to do with our clients to make sure that money's continuing to grow over time. Yeah. I, I just, I think of this very, I guess my brain works tangible. Is that, a, is that a, the way to say that? <laughs> yeah. I, I like physical, you know, I, I want to be able to touch things and see how they work. And there's two mm-hmm. things that you really touched on here. Number one, for those, and, and you spoke about this on the last two podcasts, for those that aren't using the three-bucket approach and they're relying on their investments to, mm-hmm. they draw down on their investments as part of their retirement, to me, I, mm-hmm. I always picture an hourglass. And I just see that sand running constantly. Mm-hmm. And, and I would I would imagine that it would be very, very stressful to see the level of sand in the top dwindle yep. and, and diminish over time. And mm-hmm. it just, I mean, you spoke about time and- Problem is, is when the sand runs out, you're out of time. I mean, that that's it. You're, right. You're you're you've run out of money, and then then what? I mean, you, you may have Social Security coming in, but now you right. are trying to live off of that, and that's a very sad state of affairs to be in. And we right. know that there's a lot of people that are in that situation. So that, mm-hmm. that's something that I've always kind of visualized when you've been talking about yeah. this. And and the other that's thing a is good analogy. Well, thank you. And then the other thing is, again, speaking to time, we don't know what's going to happen in retirement. So w- what I see for the growth bucket is opportunity, right? I see opportunity if all of a sudden, say you're five years into retirement and all of a sudden you find out that you're going to have a grandbaby. What a, what a mm-hmm. joyous and blessed occasion that is. And all of a sudden you have money in the growth bucket that you've left there. It's been, you know, not necessarily aggressive, but like you said, the, the, the rule of 72, if, mm-hmm. if you're, that's producing and that's growing in the growth bucket, which we hope it does, there's a possibility of taking some of that money out of there because you don't need it for income and right. maybe helping to fund a college education for, for a grandchild Absolutely. or, you know, something yep. that you can bless somebody else with. I mean, I think that it, Absolutely. what a powerful picture that paints for people when they know that they don't have to have that for income. Absolutely. Uh, very true. And that's really what the growth bucket is for. It's, it's to fill these other buckets, but then also it's, it's the area of your life where, yeah, you can, you know, be generous. You can give and you could help, like you said, fund 529 plans. You could do other giving. And really the growth bucket is another area where there's a lot of things that we can do with that money. For example, somebody has all IRA money. We may start looking at converting IRAs to Roth IRAs. You know, a lot of times people have questions about, should I do this? Should I not do this? 
we always just say, well, first things first, and that is let's make sure you have the three buckets mm -hmm. in the growth bucket is really where we want to start doing some of those, you know, sort of planning techniques in the growth bucket is maybe where we might buy a second to die life insurance policy for legacy planning for the kids. In the growth bucket, we may take withdrawals to pay for a long-term care policy as an mm -hmm. annual premium if we, if we didn't do it in the income bucket. The growth bucket is where, you know, we might do some qualified charitable distribution planning with IRAs. Mm -hmm. In the growth bucket is where we might do IRA converting IRAs to Roth IRAs. So the growth bucket has a lot of parts to it as well, just like all of them do. But big picture is you put the assets out there first, you let them grow, and then we can start doing some of these other, you know, planning and some of these other techniques, some of these other decision-making things that we have to look at. That's all decisions that are made with growth bucket money, not the other two. Mm -hmm. And so when we're looking at the growth bucket, and, and I like your analogy as far as, you know, the, the hourglass, and, and in our approach, you've got one bucket of money, the income bucket, that is kind of doing that. We're taking that money and we're basically spending it down. Meanwhile, we've got another hourglass over here where we're taking that money and it's growing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got two, both going in the opposite direction. So while you're spending down one, the other one is increasing because you're allowed, you're, you're allowed to let it go and let it grow. And I, and I, and I can't really emphasize enough the power of being within a couple of years of retirement or in retirement and still having money that you can have in the stock market at really more of an aggressive or a growth minded portfolio and not too conservative. So I want to just mention the rules real quickly of the growth bucket because there's rules for each one of them. Mm -hmm. and, and the growth bucket rules are, are these. Number one is you have to determine the rate of return goal. And ultimately the rate of return you're trying to find in the growth bucket is make, making sure it's a rate of return that beats inflation. Uh, that's always the number one goal mm -hmm. in, in, in making sure whatever other goals you have, like you mentioned, are you wanting to pay for your kids, uh, your grandkids college education? Do you want to help them buy their first car, first house? So there's a lot of questions we ask our clients about their goals for the money that they don't need for income. And so we want to make sure that the rate of return we're getting is enough to meet those goals. That's basic financial planning, mm -hmm. but it is extremely important that, that the risk tolerance, that the investment selections match the goals. And that's really true of any phase of someone's life. You know, how should their money be invested? Well, it depends what the money's for. Depends where you want to get to. I always, I hesitate a lot of times to use risk profile questionnaires and make investment decisions solely on the answers to that. Because I think investing should all be goal-based. What is the purpose of it? When do you need it? When do you need it by? How much you need? That determines the rate of return we need to get. So one of the first things we're doing in the growth bucket is determining the rate of return that we need to meet your goals. That's number one. Number two, we want to take the least amount of risk to get to those returns. In the income bucket, I talked about the least amount of assets to produce the income you need. In the growth bucket, it's the least amount of risk to get the rate of return you need. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, by, and by that, I mean, we, I, I can buy one stock that averages 7% a year, or I can buy a mutual fund that averages 7% a year. Obviously, the mutual fund takes on a lot less risk than one individual stock. Mm -hmm. So the goal is... Let's find out what the rate of return is. Let's find out what's the least amount of risk to get us there. Once we know that, that's when we choose asset allocation. 
and, I, and I'm going in an order uh, on purpose here, and I'm going to I'm going to drive the point home when I get done with a couple more things I want to say. But first is asset allocation. Asset allocation is basically stocks, bonds, and cash. Those are the three basic asset mm-hmm. classes people are going to invest. I know there's real estate, commodities, but some of those have features that are closer to stocks. Some of them have features that are closer to bonds. But broad categories, asset allocation is probably the number one determining factor to a person's rate of return more than anything else. Okay, most people focus on the investment selections. They focus on the actual fund, you know, selections and ETFs and mutual funds and these other things. But the most important thing that we have to get right, and, and I've seen different studies out there, but it's at least 90% of a person's return comes from asset allocation. Hmm. And what, what I mean by that, what I mean by that is it, there's, there's, there's a portion of your returns that comes from do I choose small cap stocks or large cap stocks? Do I choose value? Do I choose growth? Do I choose small? Do I choose large? Do I choose U.S. or do I choose international? Certainly that has an effect of that other 10%, but 90% is going to come from how much of your overall portfolio should be tied to stocks, how much should be tied to bonds. So for example, if I'm in a 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, you can expect, you know, maybe a, you know, 6% rate of return on that. Okay. Regardless of the portion, regardless of what stocks I choose to make up the 60% or what bonds I choose up to make the 40%, I'm probably going to get 90% of that return just by that allocation. The other part of it comes from the individual selections. So I'm making a long statement to make a short point, And that is asset allocation is the primary determining factor to a person's rate of return. So if you're going to get anything right, it has to be asset allocation. And I'm saying this because the thing that people spend the least amount of time on normally is asset allocation. Everyone wants to pour over all the, you know, the prospectuses and the reports and the Morningstar ratings and the Lipper averages and all these things, but none of those things ultimately really matter. What matters is getting the rate of return you need and it starts with asset allocation. Once you know the asset allocation, then we diversify. So if I'm in a 60-40 portfolio of the 60% that's in stocks, diversification just means spreading out the risk. Of the 60% in stocks, I might want 40% of that in U.S. stocks, 20% in international. Of the 20% that's in international, I might want 10 in, in emerging markets and 10 in large. Of the U.S. stocks, 40%, I may want, you know, some in large cap stocks, some in mid cap, some in small, some in value. That's what diversification Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. You take your allocations, then you spread out the risk. Once you know that, hey, I want 10% of my portfolio in U.S. large cap stocks, I want 5% in international small stocks, you, you figure out the percentages first. Then the last thing you do is find the mutual fund or find the ETF or find the portion of stocks that fits those percentages. And I say that in the point I want to drive home earlier, and that is that most people with, when they're investment decisions, they always start with the end. They always start with the stocks, the bonds, the mutual funds, the ETFs. They try to figure out which one's better than the other. That's the last thing we do. First asset allocation, next diversify, figure out what percentage should be in each one that takes on the least amount of risk to give you the rate of return you need. Then 
the last thing you do is mutual fund or ETF or stock selection to fit each one of those sleeves. And, and I think it's very important for people to do this because I think the average investor, they go out there and they look at, oh, this one beat its lipper average. This one has five stars. This one has four. Or they look at past performance and all these things. And so we kind of go in reverse order and just make it simple. What's the rate of return you need? Therefore, you need this asset allocation. Once we yeah. know the allocation, then we diversify. Then we choose the investments. And so those are the growth bucket rules. We want to make sure it's invested in such a way to do those things. And now we've got these three buckets. And if I can kind of just try to bring this all home for everybody, you've got a liquid bucket, which is no risk or very low risk. It's your emergency fund known or planned purchases or expenses in the next three to five years sitting over here protected. We go to your income bucket. We know that the money that's allocated to the income bucket is the amount of money that you need to cover your income gap in retirement. It's protected, it's secure. Then you've got this growth bucket out here that is growing, it is subject to market risk, but it can really grow over time. And hopefully we don't need it for five year period of times or longer and that money can really grow. And then as a person is living life in retirement, we know that at some point in time, they're gonna use the money in the liquid bucket and so you take the money that you you had in the liquid bucket and we were, all, we're always asking ourselves the same question. We're always asking our clients the same question. Do you have a known or a planned purchase or expense in the next three to five years? If it is, then we're gonna take money out of the growth bucket and reposition it into the liquid bucket. Mm -hmm. So a person spends their entire retirement life knowing that they always have their liquid goals in cash in essence. And the only money they have in the stock market is money they don't need for five years or longer. Imagine the peace of mind. And then also every few years we're going to look at is, is the income need, uh, is the income uh, that you're receiving enough based on your expenses? Did your expenses go up? Did inflation or taxes or healthcare go up? So therefore the growth bucket's job is to keep refilling the, the liquid bucket over time, to refill the income bucket over time, and then to do some of these other things we talked about earlier, maybe some other legacy planning goals or kids goals, grandkids goals. So I hope people understand that the, the buckets are chronological, but they're also circular. Mm -hmm. You fill the buckets in order. And then once they're filled initially, the growth bucket has a little spigot on the end of it, if you want to call it that, okay, a faucet. And you can turn that faucet on and off. You can turn it on and put more money in the liquid bucket, or you can turn it on to produce more income, mm -hmm. or you can just turn it off and continue to let it grow. Yeah, that's fantastic. Steven, this has been a great series. I know that this is wrapping up this portion, but you have a lot more that we're going to be covering in the yeah. next few podcasts. I want to just actually talk to the audience for a moment. Uh -huh. If you haven't met Steven so far, one thing you need to know is, is he's an incredibly humble guy. And I want to read you something real quick. It actually comes out of the book that he's spoken about a couple of times, Simplify Your Retirement. It's just in the acknowledgements page, and I just want to touch on this. He says, to Paul Brock and the team at Wise Wealth LLC, for helping me to write this book and developing in an investment firm that lives out the golden rule. And that speaks so much to the team approach that they have and all that they do. And, and I just, I say that because I appreciate Stephen, your thought leadership. And I know that you have a webinar series that you want to talk about. And again, that's continued teamwork from your entire team, putting this together for the listening audience. Anybody who wants to join, can you touch on that before we end this podcast today? Absolutely. I really appreciate it, Eric, very much. We do, uh, we do strive to 
practice the golden rule, treat others the way that you want to be treated. And uh, we do that in our practice here. We do it in our, our teaching. We do it with this podcast, everything that we do, we're trying to add value to people's lives. And one way we do that is we did, you mentioned we have a book, Simplify Retirement. We've got a course that I, that I wrote called Simplify Retirement. People can go to, to that website, simplifyyourretirement.com. And we actually have our entire course on video. Mm-hmm. Um, it's over 10 hours of video instruction. So even what we talked about in the last three podcasts, the liquid bucket, the income bucket and the growth bucket, we go into greater detail. We've got, uh, you know, pictures, we have a workbook that course includes the ebook of simplify retirement. So I recommend people just go to simplifyyourretirement.com If you want a deeper dive or, or go deeper into these principles, it's simplifyyourretirement.com and it's the online course. And honestly, I'm, I'm a visual learner. I think we talked about that earlier on the podcast that tactile or visual and, and mm-hmm. boy, those videos would be a big help for anybody that's listening oh, yeah. to this. that does want to take a deeper dive. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. You bet. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast with Stephen Strickland. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Stephen comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Wise Wealth, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wise Wealth LLC or Simplify Your Retirement. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of a financial advisor or other qualified financial professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.